about Wednesday this past week, I uh, had a message that I was so excited about. Man, I'd been studying it and had written three-fourths of it out. And um, that last night, about 9 o'clock, God told me to preach another message. I said, Lord, do you know what time it is? <laughs> now, the other message is a great message, and I'll preach it. But, uh, so I didn't finish this message up till midnight. So it's, uh, it's right off the press. I want you all to know that. <laughs> Just straight out of heaven. But I know God had a reason for um, uh, giving me to, to change this because I have great conviction of how true it is and how needed it is. Oh, it's needed. It is desperately needed. And I have a responsibility to you to prepare you as your pastor in this area so that you'll be able to walk in the truth. Let me pray for just a moment. Now, Lord, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to speak to you about the true gospel. The true gospel. In America and around the world, there are two gospels. The true gospel is Christ and a false gospel gospel about Jesus Christ. And the problem is, oftentimes, and the false gospels are so similar, you'll hear part of the true gospel, but you will miss the most important, and that is the false gospel. It's a mix it. They mix the truth. You know, um, you've got to be able to recognize the false gospel. Now, the only way we can do that is to be and grounded. In we must know what the truth And the way we can test any gospel that we hear is by the Word of God. But we have to know the Word of God. And we have to know the thing important uh, marks of the true gospel. You know, it's interesting. Um, I know you've heard this, and I have too. I wondered how the Treasury Department taught people to nice counterfeit money. I said, I guess they get all money, and they say, now, this is counterfeit. No. Whose job is to recommend not recognize counterfeit money, never look at it. All they do is study. So, for example, They'll take a $20, which is printed by the U.S. Treasury, and it's false. In other words, it's not a counterfeit. They study it, and they study it, and they know everything about that bill and everything about that $50 bill. And maybe I'll get one one day. And all about the $100 bill. They can, they can just look at it. Why? The true, they know the counterfeit because they know the truth. And you'll never recognize the counterfeit. You don't need to counterfeit. You need to study the true gospel. Immediately will recognize the false gospel that is all over America and all over the world. Now, the first thing I want you to know is this. Scriptures warn us about false gospel. I mean, Paul, he had a strong thing about the false gospel. 
we'll look at it in, in, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 through 9. You know, he had been to the church in Galatia and had preached there and a church was established. Now they were getting messed up with the false gospel. Look what it says in verse 6 of Galatians. I marvel that you're turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of to another gospel. He said, I, I can't believe that you're listening and believing. And he goes on and says, which is not another. But there are those who trouble you to stay with me and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. So there was a mixture of the true gospel with the false gospel. And so that made it a false gospel. And he said, now they, they're not coming in with a totally different gospel. What they do is they are perverting the gospel of Christ. But do you know how he felt about it? Look at what he said. If even we are an angel from heaven would preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Wow. He said, if anybody preaches anything other than the true gospel that we have preached to you, let him be cursed. Woo. Pretty strong. Pretty strong. And, and so he says again in verse 9, as we have said before, so I say now again, if anyone preaches any other gospel than what you have received, let him be accursed. So there's a warning. Boy, there's a warning that there's going to be a false gospel that is preached. It's going to pervert the true gospel. And anybody that comes preaching that needs to be accursed. But boy, then over in uh, 2 Corinthians 11, Paul really dealt with this matter of, of, of false gospel. Okay. I want you to look at what he said. Oh, that you would bear with me a, li in, uh, in a little folly. He said, now, I'm fixing a, I'm kind of upset is what he's saying. And, and, I, and, and I'm just going let, to let it all out on you. I'm going to let you know how I feel. Now, I want you to bear with me in, in a little folly. And indeed, you do bear with me. And he goes on and says, I am jealous for you with the godly jealousy. He said to those Corinthian Christians, I'm jealous of you. I, I saw you hear the true gospel. I saw you repent and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I know that you were, were born in and understood the true gospel. And he said, I'm telling you, I'm jealous over you, for I betrothed you to one husband, which was Christ, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. And he goes on and says in the next verse, I, for I fear, now, now don't miss this, lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. You didn't come up, you know, and just start blasting to Eve, well, you can't believe God, and he said you're going to die and you're not going to die. No, no, he was very crafty, very deceiving and Fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. <laughs> so your mind may be corrupted simplicity that is in Christ. Do you understand that word simplicity? It means that the true gospel is very simple. It means that the true gospel is not complicated. 
The two gospel is a, not a system that you have to adhere to every part of that system. And if you the system, you missed it. No. Fred, why in the world did God make it so simple? Because he didn't want it. That's why he made it simple. That's why it didn't complicate it. He wanted a, five, a, a seven, eight, nine child to be able to understand the gospel. And he said, pardon you, I, I'm jealous over you. I, I led you to trying to take you away from Christ. And he said, they're trying to corrupt you from the very simplicity that is in Christ. Now, now look what he says. Boy, this is very For if he who comes preaches another, hey, by the way, all you hear preached in America are the New Testament. Many of them aren't the Jesus of the New Testament at all. And so they were calling to the Corinthians. They were preaching Jesus, but they were another Jesus than Paul. uh, and, and, And he knew it was false. It was another Jesus whom we have not preached. Or if you receive a different spirit, not, you have not received. Or if you receive a different gospel, which you have not accepted, I'm afraid that you might put up with it. They come along and preach another Jesus, and they preach another spirit, and they preach another gospel. He said, you ought to be upset with it, and you ought to know it's false, and you ought to take a stand against it, but I'm concerned that you might just put up with it. All right, and then he goes on and says, he, uh, continues to talk about it, in 2 Corinthians 11, over in verse 12, he says, but, but what I, if he say, he's going to tell them why he's so upset. But what I do, I will also continue to do, that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire to give you a false gospel, is what he's saying. I will continue to do what I, I, I that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are and the things of which we boast. And he goes on and says, are you ready for this? They're false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. They're not. They're false apostles. He says, but they're they're deceiving themselves. For no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. You know, I've watched it. person can come in. They'll have a Bible. They'll start, they'll start off by telling you something's true. And it's not long that they move along. And you hear something that sounds a little, a little strange. And, but, you know, they're, 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 they're ministers of the gospel, quote. And, 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 but, but, you, but really they're not. That really, they're not. They're not ministers of righteousness. They're not. Uh, they're, they're, they're angels of light. Uh, you know, it says, no, it's no great thing if these ministers transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, who in will be according to their works. So I, I'm telling you, if you're going to know the true gospel, uh, if you're going to know the false gospel, you've got to know the true gospel. You've got to recognize the counterfeit. And the trouble is, it's, it's a mixture. It's a mixture. Now, you say, so Brother Fred, you're telling me that um, you knew the, know the true gospel. Oh, yeah. Well, that sounds kind of conceited. That sounds like a know-it-all. No, it isn't. Uh-huh. 
You know what the true, where I found the true gospel? I found it in the And I don't add anything to it. Ever show me where I've ever added thing in added the true gospel, I will repent immediately. But at the same part, I'm not going to take away anything from it. If you take away from the gospel, then it becomes a false gospel. And if you add to the then it becomes a false gospel. The only reason I can say to you that I know the true gospel is because I've studied this book and you have. And I want to you from the Bible this morning, in a, in a brief, it's the true gospel. And you'll see it right. And, and, and you know, and remember, <laughs> a lot of people think they're smarter than a lot of people think they know more than the Bible. They change the way. They got to twist the scripture that pleases them. But the scriptures mean what they say. Amen? What they say. All right, here, let, let's talk about the true gospel. It's found in first, Second Corinthians chapter 4. And I could show you many other places. Now, by, the true gospel is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, listen to what Paul said in 16. It's not going to be on the screen. I am named of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein the righteousness of God is revealed. So the true gospel is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's all about Jesus Christ. Okay. All right. Over in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, it tells us about the true gospel. I'm going to read through verse 7. Now, now stay with me. Then we'll explain each verse. Therefore, since we have received this ministry, he was preaching the gospel. Paul was a preacher of the gospel to the Gentiles. Peter was, Peter was a preacher of the gospel to the Jews. For since we have received this ministry... As we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. He said, I'm not discouraged. God gave me this ministry of preaching the gospel. And I know that there are people that perverted him. He said, but I'm not discouraged. All right. And look what he said. We've renounced the false gospel. Look at verse 2. We have renounced the hidden things of shame. We're not walking in craftiness. We're not handling the word of God deceitfully. Boy, was that true. He says, we're not handling the word of God in a way to deceive you. Oh, no. We're handling the word of God in truth. Not handling the word of God deceitfully, but by the manifestation of the truth. We commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. He said, I'm trusting as we preach the truth, the Spirit of God will show you what we're saying is true, and it will manifest that we are real. All right, now look at the next verse. If the gospel is veiled, I like the word hidden, but he was referring to like when there was a veil over Moses' face and the people couldn't see him. If the gospel is veiled, veiled or hidden, it is hidden to them that are perishing. Do you understand me? Unsaved people do not understand the gospel. They do not. They may be a professor of religion <laughs> and lost as a goose in a hailstorm. And I don't know how lost that is. I just heard that all my life. <laughs> I've just heard it all my life. <laughs> they may be a professor of religion, 
but they're lost and they have no understanding of the gospel. None. It's hidden from them because they're lost. Lost people are spiritually blind, spiritually dead, without God and without hope. And so it says, uh, if the gospel is hidden, it is hidden to them that are lost. They do not understand the true gospel. Now, however, the Holy Spirit can open their eyes. The Holy Spirit can give them understanding. And the truth of the gospel can break through in them, just like it did in you and me. And we got saved. But you got to understand, until a person's saved, they have no understanding of the true gospel. It says, well, why, are the, why is the gospel hidden from them? Why, are the lost, why is the gospel hidden from those that are lost? Look at what it says. Whom, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Who is the God of this age? Somebody tell me. Who? The devil. He's the God of this age. Little G. He's the prince of the power of the darkness. The, he's a ruler, ruler of, the, of darkness. Whose minds the God, Satan, of this age has blinded. He's blinded their minds. They're blind. They're blind. Who do not believe. Why is he blinded? blinded? Lest the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine on them. You say, here's a person that doesn't understand the cross. They don't understand why Jesus had to suffer. They don't understand why the blood of Christ that Jesus shed on the cross is so important because without the shedding of blood, there was no remission of sin. The wages of sin is death. So some, for sins to be paid for, Jesus had to die. See, they have no comprehension of that. In their rational mind, they cannot figure it out. They, they don't, it says, they just can't get it. Go back to verse 4 again. It says, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine on them. So, don't expect unsaved people uh, to understand the gospel. Now, let me tell you another thing. If a person comes along, and as you listen to them, they got a mixture, but it's not long till you realize, man, that's not the true gospel. That's not the true gospel. Then you've got to realize that you're listening to a lost man. You see, lost men and women are ones who preach the false gospel. Oh, yeah. They, they don't know they're lost. But if they're preaching a false gospel, Satan's blinded their minds. They don't even understand the true gospel. And that's why they're preaching a false gospel. All right. So what is the true gospel? Here it is. It's found in a couple of verses. All right. For we do not preach ourselves. That's going to be the first point of the true gospel. We do not preach ourselves, but Christ. That's the second part of the true gospel. Jesus, that's the third part of the true gospel. Lord, that's the fourth part of the true gospel. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants. That's the fourth part of the true gospel, ourselves, your servants. And then here's the fifth part, for Jesus' sake. Now, I want you to look what's in that verse. We're not preaching about ourselves. It's not about us. It's not about man. 
It's all about Jesus. But we're preaching Christ Jesus the Lord. And by the way, since we know him, we're servants. And by the way, everything we do, because we knew the, know the true gospel, we do it for Jesus' sake. Our motive is we're going to do it for Jesus' sake. Not for, any, not for the praise of men, the prestige of men. Not, not at all. Everything we do, we're going to do it for Jesus' sake. Because we know the true gospel. All right, let me say this. The true gospel is this. It's not about man and good works. Look at what it says. We preach not ourselves. You see, any gospel that is man-centered instead of God-centered is a false gospel. They said it's not about us. What we preach is not man-centered. What we preach is God-centered. For we do not preach ourselves. And let me tell you what that basically is saying. We're not going to tell you what we have done. We're not going to let you, lead you to believe that we're saved by our good works or by our religious rites or religious rituals. We're not going to do that. Because the truth is, we could never be good enough to go to heaven. Never be good enough. We wouldn't trust our best five minutes to get us into heaven, much less our worst. And so when it says we preach not ourselves, it is saying the true gospel is not about how man, through his own efforts, gets right with God. And I'm telling you, that's one of the greatest false things about the false gospel today that just absolutely drives me up the wall. That people still think that if they do enough good works, that they have more good works than they have bad works, that they are going to be saved and they're going to go to heaven. That is a false gospel. It's false, y'all. It's false. I'm telling you. For example, the Bible says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to... To his mercy, he saved us. And it says over in another passage in the Bible, it says, for all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. Did you know there are a lot of people, you ask them, are you a Christian? Oh, yes. Well, if you died tonight and stood before God, and he would say, why should I let you in heaven? They'd say, well, I'll tell you one thing. I've, I've been a good person. I've tried to be kind to people. I've tried to do good works. I attended church. I, 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 and, all, and, I, and I'm not against that. But you see, that's what they did. It's called good works. And the Bible says, now listen to this. For by grace are you saved by faith. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift from God. Now listen to this. Not of works lest any man would boast. Hey, you know, we do not preach ourselves. See, if we were saved by our good works, we could go and stand before Jesus and say, Jesus, here I am in all of my good works, and my good works were better than his good works, and my good works were better than her good works, and I know you're real thrilled to have me up here because of my good works. That is a joke. 
Your good works compared to the holiness of God is like filthy rags. So when he said here, we do not preach ourselves, he was saying, we do not preach a gospel of works. We do not preach a man-centered gospel. It's not what man does. It's, it's a God-centered gospel. It's all about God. It's not all about man. It's all about God. Our message is not man-centered and good works. Our message is God-centered and what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Okay. So first of all, we understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, we preach not ourselves. It is not a man-centered gospel, and it is not a gospel based on works. But then he tells us another aspect of the true gospel. I tell you, you, want, you, you really want to get, get alarmed. You know a lot of good people, and they go to church faithfully. And you just begin to talk to them and say, well, before long, if they don't really know, the, and not that it's not that they don't want to believe the true gospel, but they've been deceived. It won't be long till they'll be saying, well, you know, I, I do this and I do this and I don't do this and I don't do this and I do this. And, I, and, and it's like they're saying, if I get it all right and I get it all in place, then I'll get right on in and God will be pleased with me. I'm sorry. It's not going to be anything about what you did do or didn't do. Now, you do good works after you get saved, but you don't do them until after you're saved. All right, but now then we go on, and, and so we see that, it's, that the false gospel is man-centered. The true gospel is God-centered. The false gospel is all about good works, and the true gospel is about the gift of God through Jesus Christ. But then he tells us the importance what the true gospel is. We preach not ourselves, but Christ. That's the deity of Jesus. Jesus, he, he gives three names right here together. We preach Christ, that's his deity. We preach Jesus, that's his humanity. And we preach Lord, that's his authority. Can you imagine? In three words, Paul just sums up the whole gospel when he says it's about Jesus Christ who is God manifest in the flesh. It's about Jesus Christ, who God became flesh and dwelt among us. And it's about his authority as Lord. We preach Christ Jesus the Lord. Now, the true gospel, openly, boldly, and without apology, confesses that Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. In other words, what does the Bible say about that? All right, we're going to give you just a few verses. First John, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Now, now look, was Jesus just a, a good man? Was he just a good teacher? Was he just a good example? Or was Jesus God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? Was Je is Jesus the eternal God who for exist existed forever in eternity without beginning or ending. He's the second person of the Trinity and he left heaven as, the, as God and came to earth, to this earth. Yeah, what, what, what does the Bible say about that? Is Jesus perfect deity? Is he 100% God? All right, look at it. In the beginning was the Word, capital W. The Word was with God and the Word was 
God. Now get it. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. Now, I'll get to this in a minute. All right, go and look at the next verse. He was in the beginning with God. There was never a time that Jesus Christ did not exist. He's a part of the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's eternal. There's never a time when he was not. He was with the Father and spoke the world and he created the world. He was in the beginning with God. Now listen to this. All things were made through him. You know when God said, let us, let us make man in our image? There must have been more than one. So there must have been the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us. And so all things, you know, when God spoke, let there be light, the, the, the Son, Jesus, the Son of God who is perfect deity was in harmony and said, let there be light, and there was light. He was right there. All things were made through him, and without him was nothing made that was made. Jesus Christ is God, and he was involved in all of creation. Look at the next verse. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. When people were born, they were born with a body, a soul, and a spirit. But since Adam, they were spiritually dead. But there was the soul of man. And there was a light there. It says, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. And guess what he did? Look at the next verse. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness could not put it out. Okay, he's God. He was a part of creation. In him, every person has some type of life. And he shined in the darkness. The darkness couldn't put it out. But now here's the verse that nails it down. Look at the 14th verse. It says, And the word that was with God, and the word that was God, became flesh and lived among us. You mean to tell me God has invaded this planet and lived among us? Yes, he did. The word became flesh and lived among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the clear teaching of the Bible is that Jesus Christ is perfect deity. He's the, he is a part of the triune God, and these three are one. Now, let, let me show you. People say, no, no, you, you missed it. He was a God. No, I want to show you what I call indisputable proof that Jesus, the Father, confessed that Jesus is God. Uh, and, and we'll read verse 2. In these last days... He's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the worlds. And you go on down, and uh, I want us to drop on down uh, to verse 6. Well, no, let's go on to verse 3. Let's go on to verse 3. He's just, uh, he spoke to us by his son, who is the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. What is God like? Look at Jesus. The express image of his person. He upholds all things by the word of his power. He keeps everything from disintegrating by his power. And when he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. But now, we get on down where it talks about 
uh, his deity. Look in verse, uh, I want you to look at verse 6. But again, when he, when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, now this is very important, let all the angels of God worship him. You only worship God. You only worship God. And so the father said, let all the angels of God worship Jesus. Why? He's God. He's God manifest in the flesh. Let all the angels of God worship him. But then, boy, it really gets strong. But to the son, he says, now don't miss this. This is what the father said to the son. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The father said of Jesus, your throne, O God. The second person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He said, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The father called him God. And a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. So it is unmistakably clear that Jesus was not an apostle. Jesus was not just a good example. Jesus was not just a good teacher. Jesus was not just the, the most unique man that ever lived. Would you listen to me? I'm telling you the true gospel is this. Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. And anything else other than that is a false gospel. All right, now let me tell you this. The Jehovah's Witness, they knock on your door. And so you say, but do you believe Jesus is God manifest in the flesh? So, well, we believe he was a God. <laughs> no, that's not what I ask you. Do you believe he was God manifest in the flesh? And then you give them that verse. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with the Word, and the Word was God. They said, oh, but you don't understand. In the, in, in, in the uh, Greek, there's an A there. It is not. And what it says in there, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was the God. But they'll say he's an A-God because they don't believe Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. Let me tell you, they are witnesses to a false gospel. You say, that's cruel, brother. Ah, oh, it's the truth. You believe what they teach and you'll die and go to hell. Let me tell you another group. The Mormons do not believe that Jesus is God. They believe he's a God. Oh, they have all this. They say they got a lot of truth, you know, a lot of truth mixed in with error. But, mixed in, but you pin them down and ask them about Jesus and what they believe about Jesus. That they gonna end up, You're going to end up seeing they do not believe he's on the same level as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One day the Father will be above them all in eternity, but... They do not believe that Jesus is fully 100% God, God manifest in the flesh. They do not believe that. He was a God, but he is not the God. So guess what it is? It's a false gospel. But they're nice people. Who, I can't help that. My son is a Christian counselor, and he said, Daddy, tell me about the Mormons. 
I said, what do you want to know? He said, man, they're such nice people, and they come in here, and they talk about Jesus, and they talk about that. He said, are they saved? I said, son, they're not saved because they don't believe that Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. They believe in another Jesus. Paul said, if they preach another Jesus, than the one we preached unto you. And they preach another Jesus. But you say they got a good choir. What's that got to do with it? <laughs> Listen, you know why I hate the false gospel? Because it sends people to hell. And I'm telling you, anybody that does not believe Jesus is God, 100% God, who was manifest in the flesh, is a false prophet, a false teacher, and they're leading people down the broad road that leads to destruction. You said, you're so cotton-picked narrow-minded. I'm no more narrow than the Bible. I want you to know that right now. And if it's not in the Bible, you show me and I'll repent publicly. You said, well, why don't you get fired up? I am fired up. All right, here's the second thing. The true gospel, we preach Christ, perfect deity. We preach Jesus, perfect humanity. He's not only the son of God, perfect deity. <laughs> He's the son of man, perfect humanity. He was, born with, he was born of the Virgin Mary. Well, he was born into this world just like you and I. As human being, with no one exception, that he did not have a sinful nature. All right, let's talk about the humanity of Jesus. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5. Or maybe, no, it's verse 9. Hebrews 2, 9. We see Jesus. Now, I'm talking about he's perfect, he's perfect deity. That's the gospel of Christ. But he's perfect humanity. He's the last Adam. He had no sin nature, and he never sinned. But he was just like you and me. We see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God might taste death for every man. He was a little lower than the angels. He was a human, human being. All right, it go, goes on in Hebrews 2. Look at what it says in verse 14. All right, now don't miss this. For then as the children, inasmuch as the children have been partakers of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared the same. He, had, he was flesh and blood. That through death, he became a human, perfect humanity, the last Adam, the sinless Lamb of God. Why? That he might through death destroy him who has the power of death, and that is the devil. And then it goes on in verses 17 and 18. Now, you've got to understand, Jesus lived on earth just like you and me. What was the difference? He did not have a sinful nature. Number two, he was full of the Holy Spirit. And he lived as a man full of the Holy Spirit. And he was tempted like we were. Well, look, look, look at verse 17. Now, it can't be any plainer than this, that this, this is perfect humanity. This is the son of David. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like you and me, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. He had to be just like us so that he 
as a human would understand us and he could be a merciful and faithful high priest because he knows how we were tempted because he faced the same temptations but was never sinned. All right, so it says, for he himself suffered being tempted uh, in, in that he himself has suffered being tempted. He's able to help those who are tempted. Go back to verse 17 again. He had to be made like his brethren. He was made just like us. You say, but brother, you can say, you, you'll talk to Jesus. Jesus, but you don't understand. I'm living in a sinful world. You don't understand, Jesus. Man, I get tired. I get hungry. People reject me. People criticize me. And, and, and I, I'm telling you, I get tempted all the time. Jesus, do, do you know what it is for me, for me to go through what I'm going through? You know what he says? I went through every bit of it. He understands better than anybody else. Boy, that helps me. Doesn't it help you? Jesus said, oh, I was tempted by the devil. I, I know what it was to be tired and hungry. I know what it was to be misunderstood. I, knew, I know what it was to weep with the, uh, when one of my best friends died. Listen, you know what the gospel of Christ is? It's Christ Jesus. It's Christ, perfect deity. God became flesh and lived among us. It's Jesus, the Son of Man. That's his human name, perfect humanity. And the, the angel said to Joseph, you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. And over in Galatians, it tells us this, of why Jesus came, became a man. Don't miss this. In Galatians 4, 4 through 7. In the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Well, why did he come? To redeem those who were under the law. That's us. That we might receive the adoption as sons. He came to redeem us from the curse of the law. To redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And then he goes on in the next verse and says, And because you're sons of God, God sent forth his spirit in, in, of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Listen, the, the real thing about Jesus being perfect humanity, being the last Adam, he was the last Adam. The first Adam sinned. Jesus is the last Adam, but he never sinned. Adam, when he was born, was created had no sinful nature, but he sinned and he had one. Jesus, because he was born of a virgin, had no sinful nature. And he was so just like, he was just like the last. He's like the first Adam in every way, but the first Adam blew it and sinned. Jesus, the last Adam, overcame, praise God. All right, let me show you that. Look at Romans 5, 14. Good heavens. Y'all are listening entirely too slow. It says, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is the type of him who was to come. He said, Adam was a type of him who was to come. He, Jesus was the one that was to come. Jesus is the last Adam. And it says in, in verse, uh, in 2 Corinthians uh, um, 
2 Corinthians 15, 45. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. Don't miss this. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Okay. Now, I've got to draw this part to a close real quick because I've got a couple other things. My watch isn't right anyway. I'm not going to worry about it. All right, now listen. This is what Jesus becoming a man was all about. He was born of the Virgin Mary, sent by his Father to save people from their sin. So he was born of the Virgin Mary. He lived as a human being on this earth full of the Holy Spirit, tempted in all light, points like we were. He was without sin. He was without sin. Not only did Pilate find no fault in him, nobody's ever found any fault in him. You read the New Testament. So he lived a sinless life. He was a sinless lamb of God. And at, at, at the age of 33, he willingly, deliberately, and voluntarily went to the cross. Oh, did he struggle? Oh, in his humanity, he struggled in the Garden of Gethsemane. God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But no, but not my will, but yours be done. Jesus was born to die. He was born to die. I saw a picture one time of Jesus as a 12-year-old standing in the doorway, and the sun was shining in over his back, and it was a picture of a cross, and it said he was born to die. You know, he was born to die. And so at age 33, he willingly and deliberately went to the cross. He, and let me tell you something. You said the Roman soldiers put him to death. Oh, no, they were human instruments. You know what he said? No man takes my life from me. I give it up a ransom for many. He could have called 10,000 angels to come and set him free. But he went to the cross, and there, as he hung on the cross between two thieves, the blood came out of his brow from the crown of thorns. The blood came from his hands and wrists where the nails were. The blood came from his side where the soldier stabbed him and out came water and blood. The blood came from his feet. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. But listen at this. I want you to listen at this. But you were redeemed. You were purchased. You were paid for. Your salvation was provided. For you were redeemed not with corruptible things like silver and gold, but you were redeemed, get this, with the precious blood of Christ. That's what it cost God to save me. It, it cost the precious blood of Jesus for my sins to be paid in full. So I was not redeemed by my works. I was not redeemed in any way by silver or gold, but I was redeemed by the pr precious blood of Christ as a lamb without spot and blemish. He became a man to die for you, to experience God's wrath for you. God raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. And Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved. Now let me say this. <laughs> this really, if you ever discuss this with somebody, they will really get upset. Okay? But I'd rather get them, up, get them upset and get right and go to heaven than not be upset and go to hell. It says in, I'm just going to quote this, it said in Hebrews 
chapter 10, he offered one sacrifice for sin forever and sat down at the right hand of God. Now, you know what the true gospel is? Through the, through the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, through him dying in our place, Jesus is the only way that a man or woman or any human being can ever be saved. That's the true gospel. Did you know that? Our John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. He said, no man, he didn't say no man comes to the Father except through the church. No man comes to the Father unless he takes a sacrament. No man comes to the Father unless he does all these good works. He said, let me just tell you right now. The only, there's a, it's a narrow gate and it's a narrow road. And I'm the door of the narrow gate and I am the door to the narrow road. He said, there's no other. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Then I want to give you one other verse. And boy, this really gets sticky in the world we live in. In Acts chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. Now, I'm reading the Bible. And if you want to challenge me on any of this, I welcome you to do so. And if you can persuade me I'm wrong, I'll repent. Let it be known to all of you and to all of the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, this man stands here whole. Peter and John had just healed a, a lame man sitting at the gate and said, we want you to know it wasn't us. It was about Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, who raised from the dead, that God raised this man up. And then listen to this. This is a stone which was rejected by the builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. But he goes on. Are you ready for this? I know a lot of people that aren't. Neither is their salvation nor is there salvation in any other. Wait a minute, wait a minute. But it, they're sincere. They're sincere. Okay, there's a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is the way of death. You can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. And if your sincerity goes against the Bible, then it's false. There's, for there's salvation, nor is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. What part of that do I not understand? There are many other names under heaven whereby you can be saved. That's not what it said. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. Let me tell you something. Now, this is hard. If somebody tells you that there are other ways to heaven instead of Jesus, it's a false gospel. It's a false gospel. Do you hear me? It is a false gospel. Because they're denying the word of God. They're saying that Jesus is not the only way. It's a false gospel, y'all. You say, Brother Fred, but I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And if I don't, your blood will be on my hands. Boy, you, you, if you talk to three-fourths of the people in Mobile, and most of them religious, if you say, is Jesus the only way to heaven? They'll say, well, now, you know, what about a good man or what about a good Jew or what about a good this or good that and a good other? 
Well, all I know is what the Bible said. Would it bother me if there were other ways for people to go to heaven? I'm not God. God has it. Whatever God wants to do, God can do. But God chose that the only way for a person to be saved was through Jesus Christ. And if they say there's another way other than Jesus, it's a false gospel. I don't make too many friends by saying this. Maybe you agree with me, but boy, there are a lot of folks in Mobile that don't agree with that. I can assure you right now. Well, here's the last thing, and I'm not going to get to finish it like I'd like to. But we preach not ourselves, but Christ. That's his deity. Jesus, that's his humanity. Lord, that's his authority. Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? But let me tell you what Philippians says. It says, let this mind, now just get this, just get this. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. This is the gospel. Who was in the form of God. Considered it not robbery to be one with the Father. Made himself of no reputation. Took upon him the born of a, a bond of a servant. Came in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to, to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And then it says, therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. Do you hear this? At the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, of those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to glory of God the Father. Woo! All the atheists, all the unbelievers, all the, all the atheists, all the unbelievers, all the professors of religions, all the false prophets, who talks a false gospel. One day they're going to bow their knee and they're going to cry out for mercy, but they're going to say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Every knee is going to bow. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. If I did not believe that I would quit preaching the gospel, I'd close my Bible and just quit. Because I want to tell you there's a true gospel and there's a false gospel. And the true gospel is if it's believed, people get saved. But the devil works overtime to get people to believe the false gospel. My God, the Bible says deceivers will abound. Seducers will wax worse and worse. And we're living in the middle of it right now. And it just tears me up. I want to say this. I got to say this. Now, if you ever hear anybody say, we're a part of the emerging church. Now, I don't know a lot about it, but we're a part of the emerging church. No, you need to say you're a part of a false gospel because you know what their leader said? I read this. He was idiotic enough. He put it in print. He said, you know, I don't believe in a slaughterhouse religion. I don't believe that the father punished his son and Jesus had to die on the cross. God's not a cruel God. He would not put his son to death on the cross. Jesus died there as an example just to show us what it was. I said, my Lord, you know what the Bible says of that man? He's an enemy of the cross of Jesus Christ. And he's going to go to hell and he deserves it. I deserve it too. But buddy, I want to tell you, that offended me. 
And man, it greatly offended me. The Bible says whose God is their belly and their enemies of the cross of Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you one thing, I have absolutely no tolerance for someone who will say that Jesus died as an example when I know I'll be going to hell if he hadn't died on the cross for my sin. 